Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crownsman Energy. This is episode three, and today we are joined by Iggy Domogalski. He is the CEO of Tundra Process Solutions, and today he is here to lay out their growth strategy, including acquisitions, taking on more product lines, and their geographic expansion. But before we get started, let's thank our sponsors. Today we are sponsored by PowerZone. When you need a specialized team of world-class engineers for your oil and gas pipelines, dewatering, or any fluid handling needs, you want to visit PowerZone.com. In addition to their inventory of rebuilt pumps, motors, engines, they also have an amazing team to design and engineer your systems no matter the challenge, no matter the location. Get in the zone with PowerZone. Visit them at PowerZone.com. We are also sponsored by Lampson. Lampson International is a third-generation family-owned and operated heavy lift and heavy haul construction company, with branch offices located throughout North America, Canada, and Australia. Lampson International offers conventional crane rental, heavy transportation, project engineering, and customized rigging, steel, and timber mat rental, as well as marine and manufacturing services. They were founded in 1946 by Neil and Billy Jane Lampson. The company is in their 73rd year of doing business. You can visit them at lampsandcrane.com. Now let's get on with episode three of Crownsman Energy. Hello and welcome to Crownsman Energy. I am your host, Jared Downey. With me today as our guest is Iggy Domalski. Did I get that right, Iggy? Almost. Domagalski. Domagalski. I had it I had it I had it right off camera, but you know. <laughs> Um, you're the CEO, CEO of Tundra Process Solutions. Um, can, you, can you just kick us off by giving us that snapshot of what they are, what, what Tundra is, and then we'll drill down into a lot more topics. Absolutely. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate you having me on the show today. Really looking forward to the next little while. Yeah, it's good to have you on. Uh, so Tundra Process Solutions is a distributor of industrial process equipment. We are Western Canadian based and we serve all sorts of industries with a focus on energy, but we also serve mining, forestry, agriculture, municipal, commercial. And at, at the end of the day, really our, our clients trust us to provide them the, the products, technologies and services so that they can build and maintain efficient facilities. If you, if you could kind of chop it up into sectors what what percentage of your business do you think goes into energy mining and, and some of the other ones you mentioned great question so we're we're about 80 percent into energy with a with a big focus on oil and gas and midstream and then the other 20 percent is split up amongst all the other groups that we do group that we do business with so were you the founder of the company or or did you buy it at some point I was not the founder. Uh, the company was founded 21 years ago by a gentleman named uh, Dan Pete, and uh, and Dan's actually just retiring here, which is which is awesome for him. So he's had a 21 year run with uh, with Tundra, and he's also oh. on a business development role with us. But he's actually going to do uh, car racing of all things, which is super exciting. <laughs> and uh, so he he started the company in '99, and after seven years of running it. In 2006, he, he, had, he, had, he had built it to a, to a good little company and was unsure of the next steps. And so he was looking for some partners to help him grow it. Uh, that partner came in the form of a guy by the name of Mike Miller, who uh, was and still is my mentor and partner. And, uh, and I, I basically came along for the ride at the time. So we, we, we bought into the company in 2006 and for the last 14 years have been growing it and having a lot of fun despite some of the, the big downs that have happened in the economy over that time. 
There, there have been a couple since uh, <laughs> since 2006, I would say, <laughs> a couple major ones. What, um, what sort of led to the uh, to you and your partner buying the company? Um, how did that How did that even come about? The making contact and everything like that. So that's a it's an interesting story. I uh, I had always really loved business, and uh, and I went to school for business. I have a finance degree, and I. That, that was always really my passion. You know, I, I started a small little company when I was 12 and, uh, and then I ran some other small businesses when I was younger. I uh, got, my, got my university degree and then went to work in corporate finance. And in my first job that I got before I graduated, I was a summer student uh, at a finance company called Investors Group. And that's where I first got recruited by, uh, by, by who is now my mentor uh, and partner, Mike Miller. So he was one of the top guys at that company. He recruited me to start there. Uh, we, we always got along really well and did well at those companies. And then he started another financial company and pulled me along to that one. And that was a, that was a really, really fun growth story. That was a, the fastest growing company ever in Canadian financial history. It was called Richardson Partners Financial, which has since been bought up by a couple other companies. And uh, th- then he had a fight with the board and he was from out west. I was from Winnipeg. That's where all of this happened. And oh. he said, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to move back out West and I want to buy some companies. Do you want to come with me? And I remember when he asked me if I wanted to come with him to the other finance company, well, that was exciting. And we had a big budget and we were hiring all these people. So it was, you know, a little bit safer, I guess. And, uh, and this one I said, okay, great. Well, you know, we brought over like a hundred people last time. Who's going on this adventure? And he said, just me and you. <laughs> so and this, uh, you're living in Winnipeg at the time. You're I not even in Alberta in at the time. And, uh, okay. You know, so, so we said, let's give this a try. And we, we, both, we both thought we knew what a good business looked like. And we liked the distribution business, which was mm-hmm. selling others' products and adding some value in the middle. We understood that. And as much as we were in the finance business, uh, it, was, it was the mutual fund business. And if, you know, a mutual fund is the same as a valve. It's a product that a customer needs that's manufactured. Mutual funds happen to be manufactured on a computer. And a valve happens to be manufactured in a factory. And so, so we, we understood the distribution business, and so we wanted to be in that business, and we knew what a good one looked like. And uh, you know, we read a bunch of books. One really, really great one that I really enjoyed and still rave about to this day is How to Buy a Good Business at a Great Price by Richard Parker. He's a guy out of Florida. And uh, so we read that and a bunch of other ones, and we, we thought we were, we were ready to go do it. So we looked at over 300 companies through, through brokers and online listings and us cold calling people. And we finally landed on what was actually a competitor of Tundra's. And oh. we were in the 11th hour of buying them. And you know, the, the seller, the, the owner of that company, literally broke down at the, at the, at the legal table saying, I can't do it. I'm going to die. I'm going to get divorced. And uh, so, we didn't, so we didn't buy that company. But as, as we were looking at that company, uh, you know, the name Tundra kept coming up uh, as, a, as a competitor and as a, as, as a young, vibrant company. And so once that deal fell through, um, Mike, our, our now our chairman, he called up Dan, who was the owner of the company at the time, and said, hey, you know, we were about to buy one of your competitors, in the, and at the 11th hour, the deal fell apart. What do you think? And, and at the time, Dan actually was looking for, for, for an investor to help him take the company to the next level. So it was right time, right place, right everything, and we were able to make a deal happen in a couple months, and that's how our Tundra journey began. That's, uh, that's kind of wild. Did you, so was Tundra even on, 
on, I, I know you said you saw it before, but was it on the list of possible buying options even, or, or did it just as a competitor, did it come on your radar? It just came on as a competitor. So it was, yeah, wow. it, was not, it was not on any list, not on anything. We were just, we were getting pretty deep with this one company. And, you know, as you, as you get deep into diligence and figuring out what they do, you look at their competitors and, and Tundra was one of the competitors that just kept coming up. I wanted to, you, you, you mentioned the book, um, it's, it's how to buy a good, good company at a great price. Um, and, and you've, you and I talked off, off camera a little bit about what that book has actually meant to you. And, and also I think it's sort of a unique book. So I think, didn't you say that he updates that book? Uh, the author, Richard Parker is the author of that, right? That's correct. Yeah. So I, yeah. I remember it's an online book. You can't, I don't even think you can buy it in a store. You just have to Google how to, how to buy a good business at a great price. Richard Parker and it comes up, he sells it on his website. And, uh, and it, it's less of a book and more of an instruction manual. Uh, mm. so as I recall, it was a, it was a 500 page read. So I downloaded it and I printed it and hole punched it and put it into this giant three ring binder. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I, I think I crushed it in a day and a half. I just, I, you know, I couldn't fall asleep because I was reading this thing and I was so exciting and, I was so excited about everything that was written in there, which really confirmed for me that that was the path that I wanted to take. And, uh, and yeah, and then we followed a lot of his rules and over the years have bought 10 companies and kind of amalgamated them. So we have, we have Tundra Process Solutions, which is headquartered in Calgary uh, with offices in Edmonton and Grand Prairie, and then about another dozen small one-person offices. And then we have another company a uh, sister company called AWC Process Solutions, which is a similar company, but they do a bit more manufacturing and focus a bit more on water treatment. And they're based out of Vancouver. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we read that book, did what the book said. Plus, you know, it, it's, it's a book. So you, you, you do a lot of the things that you want to do too, and you take the pieces out of it that you like. But we took of a lot out of this one. And so that was, I remember reading that book in 2005. So that was almost 15 years ago. And a couple months ago, I had kind of forgotten about the book and I was surfing online and, and, it, and it popped up somewhere. And I noticed that the guy who wrote it, Richard Parker, who lived in Florida and our family goes to Florida every year for, for a vacation. We have, we have some other family down there. And uh, so I just called him up and said, hey, I, I read your book 15 years ago. And me and my partner really used it and, you know, it used all the lessons and the instructions that you had. And, Bought a bunch of companies and so just wanted to call and say thanks you know you made a good impact on our life so he was you know he was over the moon right i think i think any author who ever writes a book and somebody calls him up and says hey i read your thing i listened to it and i did everything you said and it worked uh that makes him pretty excited so we were so we okay. had an awesome conversation for a couple hours and then i was i was about to head down to florida uh but then all this this pandemic stuff hit and there was no traveling anymore so so we, we have plans to see each other. We're both excited to do it, but it's just not happening at the moment. So we have to bring you back in after you talk, uh, after you talk to him or get him on the show. Um, so you take, you, you read the, you read this book and of course you have experience, your partner has experience. Um, and we're, now you've got you've you bought this company and you've got a growth. Did you have a growth strategy in place and how have you implemented it over? You've had the company now over, 14 years or so now. So, so what's sort of been the growth strategy uh, moving forward with Tundra? Uh, well, none of it is particularly rocket science. Uh, when we were, when we were in the, in the financial business, 
we knew that the way to grow was to really take on some more products. And if you go to a customer with one product or one widget or one mutual fund or one valve, and that's all you have, you, know, you, you can only sell so much. But if you went with two, in theory, you can double your sales with the same, almost the same amount of effort and, mm -hmm. and not need to have that much more backend in your business to really make it happen. You just need a salesperson who can sell you this widget, widget A, and then they can sell you widget A and B. So that, so we, we knew that from our, our financial days. And then we thought, well, the, the way to really grow this is to, is to add more complementary products to what mm -hmm. Tundra already had. And Tundra, Tundra had a nice portfolio of products. Most of them were niche products. And we said, that that's how we're going to build this company. We're going to tack on world-class products that are complementary to what we're already selling, that the customers that we're going to see would 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 be interested in buying already. So you don't have to, we didn't have to go find a bunch of new customers. We already had the customers that trusted mm -hmm. us, that liked us. They were, I mean, if, if they're already buying stuff from us, they, they, they must trust us to some extent. And so if they trust us to buy this, why wouldn't they trust us to buy this? And, and so that's, that, that's what we did. So we, we, we went on a, on a mission to go take on new products. And we were very, very aggressive from, uh, from 06 till probably 2010. So four years, we worked so hard to really get our name out into, into industry and industry being, uh, you know, internationally, because a lot of these manufacturers were not local. They were, they were, they were right. countries, a lot in the U S some in Europe. And so we were, we were going to these places and pitching them saying, Hey, you know what, you're, there's the companies that you're dealing with are great, but we're the, we're the new player in town. We're young, we're hungry, we're growing. And we think that we could probably do a better job for you. And, and, and a lot of them agreed. So, so we were able to take on some great products and then, and then around 2010, almost the, the tide shifted and rather than us being the pursuer of products, the product started to pursue us because we were so mm. active in the market, which was, right. which was really, really great. So then we got to be a little bit more choosy, and, but, we, but it was still the same strategy. When we found a, a product and a partner that we really liked, then we would pursue them with all the gumption and gusto that we had and try to bring them on board uh, with our company and told them that we'd do a really, really great job for them. And in every case, we did. And so, so, so that's how we grew the company. We, we did a couple small acquisitions along the way, which were similar, um, but rather than just taking on the product line, we would buy a small little company that had some products and, and then, and then going into different geographies. So we were, we were primarily right. Calgary with a little bit of Edmonton. And so we expanded to, to Red Deer and now we have a shop in Grand Prairie and we, and we currently have some more plans to expand and get closer to our customers in their geographies. And then, and then with all that, I mean, you need, you need some just incredible people to, uh, to, to, to fill in the blanks. And yeah, I was going to, I was going to actually ask, you've got these, I mean, you're taking on product lines, you're buying companies and you're expanding geography. I mean, that's a, that's a huge undertaking. Uh, how are you managing all that through the period of, so you've bought a new company in addition to that. So there's the operations within that company itself. Um, did you, did you have, was there a team in place to do that or were you and your partner, the primary people that were going through all that? Uh, how did you facilitate it? Uh, in the early days, there was just a couple of us, but now we're, we're a little bit bigger. So we've been fortunate that we could, you know, hire some really great managers. And I think most, most business and kind of business growth books will tell you, you know, hire the, the absolute best people that you can afford at the time. And so we've always tried mm -hmm. to do that. And we try to 
pay up for really great talent in the areas that we needed. And, and so, so we've done that in the last, over the last decade and really built up a, what, what I think is just an exceptional management team that, that can, that can help, help us bring these things to market and just guys that have done it before too. I mean, if you, right. if you bring one product to market, you sort of know all the things that you need to do. You need to, you need to hire the salespeople, the technical people, you might need some additional logistics capability. What are you doing for marketing? How are you going to reach out to the customers? So you just, there's a, we have a, basically a checklist that we follow now and it's, and it works pretty well for us. You, at the beginning, you talked about, you, you bought the company in 2006. Um, so the ticker starts from 2006 to 2008 and bam, <laughs> the market drops out on, on pretty much every, everybody. Um, and, and you being from 2006, you've been through a couple, there's, there's 08, 09, there's 2014 to 16. Um, how did you deal with a company for one being a fairly new owner of a company and you're in the middle of expansion how did you deal with those recessions i mean that's a i mean we're we're going through another one now um it really and since 2014 it really the industry hasn't really been easy um so starting with 2008 how did you how did you approach that as a company i that's a good question and i and i, I think we we did it like like a lot of other companies, I mean, we, we really, we really, really value our people. And every company says that, that they really, really value their people. And I mean, I, th I think the, the truth would come out if you, if you actually survey those people and see what they think. And, and I think if you surveyed our people, they, they would, they would say that our, you know, that our owners and managers really do care about them. And, 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 and in times like these, you know, sometimes you do have to lay off and those are, those are terrible, tough decisions. And we've, we've had to do it too uh, in, in all the recessions, but we really always tried to keep it to as, as few people as possible. And, and before we go to layoffs, usually we try to go to wage rollbacks or reduced hours, uh, you know, four day work weeks instead of five day work weeks, just so that we can keep all those people. And, uh, and when, and when the, the recessions end, and they always do, and they always have, uh, that we can be stronger and better and smarter uh, coming out of them with, with that experience and the, and the institutional knowledge. So, so like a lot of other companies, we went through some layoffs, but then also trying to keep as many people as we can. And, and you know, I, I look at those recessions, the specific ones that you talked about, 08, 09, and then 14 through 16, they're tough. You know, it's, it sucks laying people off. You know, it, it's, yeah. those, those are not fun things to do. And, it, and, it's, and it's never fun to tell your people, it's, hey, you're taking a big pay cut. Sorry, that's, that's not fun to do. And, and as a leader in the company, usually, usually your pay cut is, is way bigger than, than anyone else's. And that's not fun either, but, but it's things that have to happen. But after every single recession, we always came out of it way stronger and way better. And I, and I think the same thing will happen this time. And going into it, we never knew what it would be, but mm -hmm. it always did come. So just a couple of examples. Um, in 08, 09, we were, our company was about 30 people. And that was, that was a scary time. That was, the world was falling apart. The, the stock market was actually way more down than it is now. And capital was scared and there was no money for anything. And it was, that was a really freaky time. And, and I remember uh, we, had, we had an opportunity to take on a new product line. It was, we ended up taking the product line. It's called Toshiba, which is a pretty major world brand in a lot of areas. The area that we were, yeah. the area that we were looking at was their motors and their variable frequency drives, uh, which, which was, a, was a good established business, but still scary. 
And so I remember going to our bank and saying, hey, I know, you know, I know it's terrible out there and things are really bad, but we're at 30 people. We want to hire 15 people. We want to buy a bunch of inventory and take on this product line. Will you support us through that transition? And, you know, we showed them our plans and everything. And they said, yeah, you know, we've, we've, we know you guys, we've banked you in the past and we'll do it again. And we did that. And now that, and we, we grew that product line by like five times from its previous peak and, uh, and have had a huge success with it. And that's been one of our, our greatest product divisions. So that was, that was a huge win and it all came out of a recession. Well, on that, I mean, Toshiba is a, I mean, that's a very high profile brand uh, globally. Um, to, to get them though, uh, during a recession, um, it, you know, someone else's loss is someone else's gain. That, that is just part of business um, at times. And I mean, how does that, how does that uh, product line even become available in a place like Alberta? Um, I mean, the, we, we've seen pretty similar things happen over the last few recessions, including this one, is our competitor, people get scared and they hunker down. And yeah. when they hunker down, often a, a lot, we've seen a lot of our competitors lay off salespeople. And that's, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough spiral to get into. And so if, if you imagine the conversations that, that Toshiba or any manufacturer has with their distributor, they come into town or they get on the call and they say, Hey, I hear things are really bad in Canada. What's going on? And the managers say, yep, it's really bad, but you know, we're working really hard to do that and, you know, to try to maintain market share. And then the manufacturer says, well, I heard you laid off a bunch of your salespeople. How are you going to maintain market share without any salespeople? Well, the management's right. just going to work harder and we're going to try to do what we can. And of course that never works. And, um, and then that usually takes about six or 12 months to unravel. And then they break yeah. up and then they start looking for somebody else. And in, in recessions, usually we're, we're hiring salespeople. Right. So, so that just, it just, it, it, it gets the manufacturers excited that in, in good and bad times, we'll continue to support and grow and take market share and engage with our clients. I'm curious when you, and it's somewhere like 2008 and we'll, we'll skip over to 2014 in a, in a minute. Um, now, was that a conscious choice that, when, I mean, you're obviously like me and anybody else in business, you're watching the markets, you're seeing what's happening around you. Do you get together in a, in a meeting and say, no, we're going to, we're, we're not, we're not going to lay here and wait. We're going to actively go out and look, or do the opportunities just start arising and you decide, or is it an active choice to sort of approach a recession in that way? Uh, I would say it's both. Um, so we, so we're definitely actively sitting around tables even even now, even yesterday, and saying mm -hmm. we were we were talking about what are the opportunities that are going to come out of this. We, I think there will be some great opportunities that come out of this. Probably, I think some 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 buying opportunities, like once in a lifetime opportunities, will come out of this pandemic. I have no idea what they'll be, but they'll but they will come around. So we want to be ready for those. But yeah, but absolutely, sometimes they do come out of left field. Toshiba was out of left field. We we were not mm -hmm. expecting that one, but we were. We were, we were talking about similar type opportunities. So when that one came around, it was kind of insert Toshiba into the opportunity that we were already talking about and, and right. the same way that we were planning to. When you go into somewhere like 2014, and I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the timeline as well, because you bought in 2006, now you've dealt with a recession to 2008 to 2009. 
Um, and which is, I mean, it's very impressive to come through and actually come out a bit stronger. I had a company in 2008, 2009. I no longer have that company. It, we were in the exterior construction business and it just, we, we didn't know. I, I didn't know. I think I was 21 at the time, didn't know how to deal with it. And that company, we lost it. Um, so you get through one, you bought a new company in 2006, now in 2009, now you go down to 2014 to 2016. There's another one hits. Um, now, now you've done it once, um, gone through that recession. How do you approach it? Um, now your company is a little stronger and you're, you've got a little more experience with the, within the industry. Um, what, comes, what comes in 2014? Uh, you, to, to be honest, Jared, it was much of the same. It was, we said, hey, there's, there's this recession happening. It sucks. We did, the, we did the same things. We had to lay off some people. We rolled back wages the same as we had done in the past to keep as many people as we possibly could. And then we knew there would be opportunities. And, um, and for, for these opportunities, two of them came up. One we, one we were actively pursuing and the other one could, didn't fall into our laps, but it, was, but it became available, but we, weren't, we didn't think it would become available. And it, and it was two major product lines that we, that we took on and, uh, and, and it was the same conversation with the bank. Uh, one of them mm -hmm. was a little bit easier, but it, it required hiring a couple people and very minimal inventory. But the other one was, uh, was massive. We took on a product line called Ferris and that, you know, that required hiring 20 people and buying a bunch of inventory and uh, building a whole new 25,000 square foot facility with a bunch of, equipment. Oh wow! you know, it's kind of a, it was like a $10 million investment that we, that we had to make. And that was the same conversation with our bank saying, Hey, we know times are really bad, but we have this opportunity here and it's solid. You know, you've, you've done it once with us before. Do you think you'd want to do it again? And they said, yeah, we think we would. And so, so they, they, uh, they got, they got on board with us and we did it again. And, and, and those two have been ultra successful. So we've been, we've been really lucky and fortunate that they worked out. What is uh, Ferris? I just I, I I should know the brand. I realize that, but I'm I'm actually not familiar with it. Sure. There, well, there's there's a few different Ferrises out there that are spelled differently. The one that uh, oh, okay. we represent is F A R R I S, and it's a it's a pressure safety valve. It's red in color, and it's used to go on tanks and pipelines. So if the pressure gets too high in those tanks or pipelines, that these PSVs they they release the pressure so that that vessel doesn't blow up. So it's a piece of safety equipment. Right. Um, and so, so you go, you go through a couple of sessions, we cover that. And now, um, now in between that, there's uptimes uh, up as well in a company. Do you, in your, from your experience, um, in, in, in the good times, uh, which, which, <laughs> which is easier to approach, do you think? Uh, the, good, the good days or, or the tough ones? Or, or which has been um, sort of created more opportunity or better decisions um, on, on Tundra's part, do you think? Well, I, I think there's been, there's lots of opportunities in both times. In, mm -hmm. in the bad times, it's, you know, seeing what's available out there and, and taking some risks and, you know, getting your bank or your shareholders to agree to doing that as we did with, with those few product lines that we took on. And in the good times, there's, there's, there seems to be more opportunities because people are willing to try different things. You know, they're, they're yeah. engineers at, at our customers. They're less worried about getting fired. So they're, they're okay trying new things and new exciting things. And, and you know, because of that, we, we got into some things that we, that we shouldn't have over, over time and made some big expensive mistakes. Uh, we, you know, we, we, we started a business that 
that essentially was competing with some of our customers. But we thought we were the smartest guys in the room. And when things are going well and results are good, you know, that's that's not because the market's hot. That's because we're really smart, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so of course, you know, it's some teams and ours was the case. You know, we had a little bit of that management hubris, and we thought what we would touch would turn to gold. And we had this great idea, and we hired people and invested a bunch of money and. You know, we, I don't think we did enough client research. I don't think we talked to them to see if they would be ticked off if we, if we did this. And it turns out they were. So, we, <laughs> I mean, basically we ended up writing the whole thing off and shutting it down. And, really? And it was an expensive mistake. So we had to let go of a bunch of people. We had rented a big building for this thing too that were, you know, so we had to get rid of that. And, um, and, and we, and we ticked off customers in the process, which was, which was one of the worst things too. So we had to, you know, we have to go back hat in hand and apologize to those customers and say, hey, we made a mistake. We're so sorry. We should never have done that. You know, in theory, we were competing. We never really won. So he, we weren't really competing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but it was, you know, it was, it was nice. Uh, you know, the, I think the, the relationships that we had previously with the customers were strong enough that they said, we understand all is forgiven and let's start doing things again together, which was, which was really nice. And so, you know, during, during those good times, I think we, we probably overextended ourselves a little bit, did some silly things. And those are, those are good lessons learned from our management team. We have, we have really, really low turnover in our management team. So mm -hmm. uh, generally in our company. So I, I think all of those lessons are really remembered and, and we'll remember those going into uh, the next uptick, which, you know, hopefully there is one. Um, but if, if there isn't, we'll still remember those lessons and we'll remember not to, you know, to really focus on the things that we're great at and, and, and not try to be all things to all people and, and just do, do what we're really good at because we can be profitable there. We don't take off our customers and that's where we can deliver the most value. I, I don't think you could, I mean, you could probably write a entire book or multiple books on, uh, on <laughs> people thinking they're really smart when the market is up. I mean, I, I mean, walk, turn, turn on the news and talk about, and they're talking about hot markets and people thinking they're getting it right when it really has nothing to do with them. You know, like, you know, oil's at $100 a barrel. Yeah, it's pretty easy to be clever. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Boy, were we clever. <laughs> no, it's, it's such an important thing. And, you know, it's, it's some people, I think, you know, would hear you talk about that and it'll resonate with them. Um, and that, then some people just, they, they don't quite pick up on it. And it's so easy to get sucked in. You talked about remembering the lesson. It's so easy to get sucked in when things start climbing up and then you just start grabbing everything you can along the way. And it's just, it's such a dangerous thing to do. It really is. Um, I want to go into, uh, I, when I was on the doing the the you know the pre-interview research on the company, I noticed the humanitarian work that the Tundra did. For for one, I wanted to know if that was sort of right from the beginning. Um, but also, I noticed there was multiple things you're doing. I, I, There's quite a few companies that they'll do one or two things, but you've got quite a few uh, things that you're involved with, and. I want to sort of go first off, um, was that an initiative started when you took over the company and, and was that, was that sort of part of the, the goal of the company right off the bat when you took it? Good question. I, um, I remember joining Tundra and getting involved in 2006 and 
I would say at the time that Tundra really did not have a philanthropic bone in its body. I think our, mm. our total, any kind of charity work was, you know, given a hundred or 200 bucks a year to some guys, hockey, some guys, kids hockey team. And that was really it. We didn't do anything. And that was okay. Right. We were, we were, we were a young growing company focusing on, on business, on sales and developing processes and growing and, you know, really just trying not to screw it up. And mm -hmm. Pre previous to Tundra and in, in all my roles and everything that I did, there was always a really strong community component, which, which I missed. And the first few years of, of working with Tundra kind of like, Oh, six to Oh nine, you know, that was, um, that was focus on the business and make sure that, that we're built to last and, and that we'll be around through tough times and, and through good times. Uh, but after that, I, I, I decided that, that I really want this company to, to have a strong philanthropic and community footprint. And, um, and so in that case, it was, it was, it was me that really started to push it. And I, we, got, we, we really looked around for a charity. We wanted to have one main one that we wanted to be involved with. And we, we had some criteria, you know, we wanted it to be local. We wanted something to do with kids. We wanted something where our, our, our contribution would be a meaningful contribution of, of the total contribution. So we, we didn't want to be you know, 0.1% of something. We wanted it to be a little bit bigger. And we wanted it to be something that our people could be involved with. And we met with a lot of charities. And the one that really that checked all the boxes and we seemed to get along with really well was the Kids Cancer Foundation of Alberta. Uh, led by, I saw that. Yeah, led by Christine McIver. And so, yeah, around, around 2010, we started, about 10 years ago, we started to get really involved with them. And every year we would tack on something. So it started innocently and with, we would have our ugly Christmas sweater parties and people would donate money. Then we'd donate that and match it. Uh, then, then, we would, then we would do cleanup days at their camp. And then the next year we added on our, our stampede party, which used to be a big party. And it still is a big party. Uh, not this year, unfortunately. Not this but, year. Uh, but we do, I, I think we host one of the better ones in industry. Last year we had 1,800 people come through the doors. And it's just hosted in our parking lot oh. in southeast Calgary. And so we, uh, we, we, we change it just from a party to a fundraiser and there's a big charity casino. People donate money and they get their fun money and play for prizes. And then Tundra matches all that. So we usually raise around $60,000 for them every year out of that. And then we pretty much do everything else that you can with them. And, and initially that was, that was me pushing it because Tundra didn't have that built into its DNA. But I was, uh, I, I was looking over you know, our accomplishments a couple of years ago of, of what we did throughout the year and I split them up into, into, you know, business and sales and processes. And, and actually every year on New Year's, I send an email to our whole company saying, Hey, you know, it was some years are good years, some years are bad years. And I'll usually start it off with that. Hey, it was, it was a so-so year or it was a great year. And here's some of the great things that we really accomplished this year, regardless of what the, you know, what was happening in the market. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the areas that I focus on in that, in that note is community. And I went through all the new things that we did in the community that year and zero of them were driven by me, which was really exciting. And that was, mm. so in the, so it, it was a couple of years of, of really me beating it into the people in our company a little bit. But then once we started to do it, everyone realized that, Hey, we, we really like this and we, we really want to keep this up. And so now it's, now it's really not driven by me at all. It's, it's driven by our people from the ground up. And when, uh, when we hire people and 
I, I, I like to get involved in a lot of the interviews for, for people, especially our key positions. And we always ask, why, why do you want to work here? And 100% of the time, I'm not talking like 99% of the time, 100% of the time, one of the reasons that people list is, is our community involvement, that they want to be involved with a company that does that. Uh, yeah. so, so, so I think we went from not doing it to really doing it a lot. And we're, we're recognized as uh, an imagined caring company. So there's, there's about Yeah, I wanted to touch on that, actually. Well, I didn't, I didn't heard of that before. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a designation. Uh, we, we have a few different designations. So we're, they, we're involved in Canada's Best Managed Companies program and then Imagine. So the Best Managed Companies program is, hey, are you doing some things right in your business and running a good company? And then the Imagine program is, hey, are you, are you doing good in the community? And is, is your company mm. a, good, or a good community citizen? And so we're recognized as one of those companies, which is something that we're, that we're really proud of. We have that on all our, our trucks and our business cards and our website. And we talk about it a lot because we are, uh, it's something that we're really, really proud of. Of course. Yes. Hey, you know, and I, I think it's what I really, what stood out for me is when I went on the site again, um, it wasn't, you know, it's not just this one thing that you did once a year. There's multiple things. There's the, uh, the, the uh, Enbridge uh, ride uh, to conquer cancer. You're part of that. The Kids Cancer Foundation. Uh, you have uh, the Acceleration uh, Center for Entrepreneurs. Is that was that founded by? Was that is that your internal program, or is that some? Is that part of another, uh, like a, a bigger program? So yeah, the the Tundra Ace program, the Acceleration Center for Entrepreneurs, that was founded by Tundra. So it's it's, okay. it's our own program. And basically, we help uh, entrepreneurs who have what we think are you know, really exceptional products. Uh, we, we help them get them to market fast and, and just and support them in all ways that they would need support. So if they need free office space, free engineering, free marketing, free accounting, free legal, free whatever, uh, we, we supply that. And then, wow. and then in exchange, we actually don't take equity in the company uh, that many accelerators do. We, th this, was a, this was a philanthropic endeavor. And all, all, all we ask is that when they're raising money to, to just include us in that. And so we've made, uh, we've made small investments in numerous companies. And then we also help them get those products to market. So we have a, we have wow. a solid sales channel. So we try to partner up with companies that would want to sell their product to the customers that we already deal with. And mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's tough as an entrepreneur. I mean, if you're, if you're a Joe inventor in your basement, which is like so many of them are, and maybe you do have the next revolutionary product and you want to sell it to CNRL or Oventiv. I mean, you're not even going to find the person to talk to. <laughs> and even if you no, do find the right person no. to talk to, they're never taking your call. And if, and if you're able to get a call with them because they're your uncle's friend or something, you're probably not going to get a meeting. And if you do get that meeting, you're going to be buried in, okay, well, are, are you on our safety list or in your approved vendor list? What's the install base? What's your service capability? Yeah. And you are dead in the water before it started. So we, so we're able to use, you know, I, I think we've garnered a reasonable reputation in the industry over the last 21 years that we've been around, and uh, especially with with those customers that really trust us. So when we call them up and say, hey, we think we might have something real here, um, you know, I I don't want to have the conversation about this being on an approved list. I just want the right two engineers to talk to to tell me if we really got something here. And then if we do, right. we can figure those other things. But it just, it allows us to have those real conversations with our customers 
And sometimes they say, this is amazing. And we'll actually get phone calls on the way back from the meeting saying, we need more information right now. And other times they'll say, hey, this is cool. There's three other things that do this for half the price. In which case we got to take that entrepreneur out to the woodshed and say, you got to kill this thing today. Don't put another. <laughs> yeah, you're not. That's amazing though. Baby, but <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's, it's hard beat, but whew, it's way better than spending another three years on it though. That's for sure. And have, and, and fall, calling all those companies trying to get them to take on your product. That's a really, when, when was that started? I mean, that's an amazing program. The, yeah, just the started, way that you laid it out. It was started three years ago and you know, it, it started yeah, kind of 2016, 2017, maybe almost four years ago and, and times were bad. And so we wanted, yeah. we wanted to do something to give back. We knew that there were a lot of smart engineers that were literally stuck in their basements and laid off. And so we thought this would be a good way to, to do something about it, and, and and it's been pretty good. We've made some, uh, we've made a, a bunch of small investments in some really neat technologies. Uh, one is called Clean O2. It's a, it's a kind of a, a big machine that basically hooks up to a boiler in, in a building, and it it takes some of the exhaust stream that's coming off that would normally just be expelled into the air. It takes some of that, it mixes it with an uh, inert chemical, and spits out potash, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then that potash is actually used to make soap. And so, so you, it's carbon negative soap. So it's actually taking greenhouse gases out of the air and turning them into soap. And that soap is being sold at IGA and some ATCO facilities and a bunch of other places. And we use it as giveaways for, uh, for our clients, especially in this time when soap seems to be a pretty relevant, <laughs> hot, hot <laughs> pretty relevant piece, of, piece of swag that you might get. Uh, we, we invested in a company called Ingu, which is uh, inline pipe inspection technology. So something like 40% of all pipelines in Alberta have never been inspected from the inside because they're too small, they're not mapped out, or, they're, or the bends are too tight for a pig. And this is a little golf, so golf ball sized sensor that you throw through the pipeline and it measures magnetics and sounds and, um, wow. and, and it figures out what's going on inside that pipeline. So that's a pretty cool one. And then we're, we're investing a lot in energy storage technology uh, so battery storage technology yep. for, for for just for peak shaving applications and, and a whole bunch of other applications we just did a, a job up in grand prairie which was a pretty neat job so grand prairie bought a bunch of the city of grand prairie bought a bunch of electric buses and they wanted those buses to be solar powered mm. but buses drive during the daytime and the sun shines during the daytime and it's, the buses don't have solar panels on them uh, but they are electric and they have batteries in them. So basically the sun shines during the day and then it all gets stored in this giant battery. And then when the buses come in at night, that giant battery downloads all that power into the buses. And we're the providers of that middle battery, giant battery piece. Wow. So that, I, I have to ask with all the, 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 what we've covered, I mean, it's, there's a lot and I, I mean you could dive into each thing more um but i have to, i have to ask out of all these things is there sort of one that that stands out for you as the thing that you get the most excited about um out of all this you know the philanthropic acquisitions taking on product lines building management teams um buying businesses uh is, is there something that just kind of turns the crank yeah. You know, Jared, honestly, it's kind of all of it. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really enjoy doing all of it. Every one of those things that you that you mentioned are, are passions of mine. So I think on different days, I would pick different ones. Right. <laughs> just, uh, just, just depending on what I'm doing. But 
Um, but I, I wouldn't like any of those things to be taken off my plate because, uh, because I really like doing them all. How about, how about on your worst day when you just need something easy that you just, is there, is there one you'd have to pick? <laughs> <laughs> on my work? Oh, man. We all have a Monday, Iggy. <laughs> we, we do, we do. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know which one I would pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I just, it, it really stands out to me that a company um, in your, you know, that offers what you do, you know, I know there's some, you know, you have some technical services as well that you offer. And, and I mean, it takes a certain amount of vision. I mean, it would be, how do I say, it would be, uh, it would be easy for your company to just do what's the core business. Um, so I find it quite interesting how you've, you know, it doesn't seem to me, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll get you to clarify this, it doesn't seem to me like Tundra is, is spread out. It's, it's all still pretty centralized um, into the operations, but you've, you've managed to find ways to keep expanding and, and finding new things to tack on. And it just, it just takes a certain amount of vision. And I'm, I'm curious, I kind of asked you it earlier in the show, but how much of that is a conscious decision and, and how much of that for you um, it just is something you just want to do or does it just naturally happen as you keep, keep building the company? And I know it's both. Um, but I mean, mo there's a lot of companies that don't do both, uh, you know, that, that aren't finding new opportunities or, or they just, they're just growing in a different way. And I just kind of am curious about what drives you to, to approach it in the way that you do. Um, it's a, that's a long question. Yeah, it is <laughs> a very full one. It's, we have a we have a, a big goal, and our our big goal is to be the most trusted supplier of industrial process equipment in Western Canada. So that's mm -hmm. that that's our big goal. I, I think in some areas maybe we're there, in other areas we're not, in, in different areas of our business. And so everything that we that we do, or every opportunity that we look at, we look at through that lens, and we say if. If this is going to get us closer to this goal, then we'll do it. But if it's if it's if it's more of a shiny bumper that we're just chasing that's not getting right. closer to that goal, then then we say no. And and that's been you know that's been really really helpful uh, having that clear guiding vision and guiding goal, and we're able to use that as a as a filter for everything. And then it's not just me or someone else on our management team saying, you know, well, today I'm feeling spicy and let's go do that thing. It's, it's, it's never, it's not a gut feel. It's, it's a, it's a clear path that we're on and, right. and it either matches that path or it doesn't. And then, and that makes our decisions a lot easier to make. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, I guess I should have just asked, uh, what's your core, core goal for the company? That probably would have been easier. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, that's, that's what we want to be. We want to be the most trusted supplier of industrial process equipment in Western Canada. But our, our, our daily purpose is, is providing exceptional experiences. And, we, and, and by that, we mean, you know, we, we, of course, try to do exceptional experiences for our customers. But we also really want to do it for our suppliers. Uh, for for all our internal people, and then for our community at large that that supports us, and we always keep that in mind too. And you know, every day are we doing our bit to provide those exceptional wow experiences? Well, I I don't want to you know I don't want to put you you know embarrass you in any way, but I will say I've told a couple people in my network that you're coming on, and there was a lot of excitement because you're oh, you're great. very active <laughs> online, and and no, genuinely because people watch. Uh, people notice tundra they notice how your your approach to things and 
And they went, oh, Iggy's coming on. They always say he's, he's very active. Their company's doing some great things. So, so some of these questions I had were, I mean, just even for me as I'm, you know, we're all trying to learn how to do business better. And I, I think genuinely, I think your company is, is setting the tone for a way a lot of companies need to move forward, not, not just in growth strategy. Like you said, it's, it's, it is basic the way that you've grown the company, um, but it's also very important to keep it basic and make good choices and, like you said, not chase such shiny objects and be involved in the community, in a, you know, in a, but, but in a deep way, not just a casual here, throw some money. So they're all really important things, and I, 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 just, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, and giving honest answers to all of them as we walk through it. Well, thank you, Jared. I really enjoyed being on here today, and I appreciate the kind words. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks a lot, Iggy. Okay, we're going to do a quick uh, sign-off. Uh, Gaudi will, will tell you how you can support the show, be involved in the show, be a guest on the show. Uh, there's so many great companies out there, um, and I mean, we can't find them all, so we, we rely on a lot of people that bring us these companies um, that we feature on, on the Crownsman Energy Show, on the Crownsman Show, Mining Now. There, we've got lots of channels and for multiple different industries. We appreciate you watching, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for watching. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Also follow us on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you would like to help support the production of the show, please head on over to crownsman.com forward slash donations, where you will find two ways of supporting the five buck monthly subscription option and the support heavy industry one-time donation. Again, that is crownsman.com forward slash donations. Thank you so much for your support. We will see you on the next episode.